Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. You know, I uh, have been getting for the last couple of years emails and Facebook targeted posts. Uh, I guess they, they are stalking me, and they know what I like and what I don't like. And the targeted posts and the emails have to do with, with public speaking. And so I'm getting these, these offers from, from professionals that will teach me how to be a public speaker as a job and get paid for it. And so, you know, i, I got to be honest, this is enticing to me because the opportunity to, to talk is just, I, I love it, you know. I told First Baptist this morning that my wife, you will never, ever hear her say, I really want to get in front of a bunch of people and talk. Anybody else like that in here? In fact, for many people on the planet, that terrifies them. But there are, are some people on the planet, I'm one of them, that you will never, ever hear me say, please don't let me get in front of people and talk. And so for me to get an email that says, hey, you can be a professional speaker and you can go all over the country and you can talk to people, businesses and, and, and groups, I'm thinking, man, that's enticing, right? I mean, that's, that's something that would be fun. That would be awesome. But then as I get into what they're offering, they want to teach you how to become this professional speaker. And the first thing that they say is this, you have to have a talk, you got to have a talk. you got to have something you're an expert at. And they will also say that, that you can't be an expert at everything. The guys who are really busy aren't the ones who can speak on how to lay concrete and how to be happy and how to deal with past trauma. They're, they're not the people who are multifunctional. They're the people who have one message. They have one talk, and they're known as that guy, Right? And it's true, it's really true that, that, that the, the more focused you get, the more uh, people want to hear what you have to say or, or what you have to offer. And so this is where these advertisements always stump me. Because as I'm processing through, what could I say to a bunch of business people? I, I go through, you know, I, I could talk about emotional intelligence, Right? I, I could talk about how to overcome trials. I could talk about, about being, being kind. I could talk about building character and integrity. But I always come back to the same thing. I only want to talk about Jesus. Amen. And nobody wants to pay me to talk about Jesus. Except for maybe you. <laughs> but I always come back to this thing going, you know what? I could never be a professional speaker in, in that kind of way because I don't want to waste my breath on something that, although it matters, it doesn't matter to me in this kind of way. And as I read Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and following, I think I put 15 on the screen, but it's actually 14. Paul is speaking to the, to the, to the people here, and he's saying, I am obligated both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, and so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. 
For in it, the, a righteous, or the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I understand what's being said here because the passion of this man's heart was the gospel. If you look in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, he says, I made it a point to, to preach nothing but Christ crucified. So there was this singular purpose and singular mission, and I would say to you that that is the life of a believer, to have a singular passion and a singular purpose and a singular mission. Now, to everybody else, that seems like being a little bit radical or a little bit over the top or a little bit excessive. I mean, after all, do you really want to be that Jesus-like I mean, do you really want to be labeled as one of those guys to where everything that comes out of your mouth glorifies God the Father because you're talking about His only Son? I mean, do you really want to be the guy that's known as the guy or known as the girl who the gospel is just in and in and throughout everything in your life, and it informs the way you think, it informs the way you act, it informs the way you talk, it informs everything you do. Do you really want to be that guy who just won't shut up about Jesus? Yes, that is entirely what we want, isn't it? The way you become that person is not by something you do as much as by someone you become. You see, what we, what we see here is Paul saying, he's saying, look, I am obligated. I am obligated both to the Greeks and the barbarians. Now, there's a reason he uses this word obligated. The word obligated in the original language of the Greek is that he is a debtor. He is one who owes a debt. He has, he has a, a responsibility and a duty and actually a debt that needs to be repaid. But to whom? To the Greek and to the barbarian. Now, this was a way of describing the, the kind of people who need the gospel. And there's really two kinds of people who need the gospel. 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 There's two kinds of people, which includes everybody. And the very next verse says, says what that is, to the wise and the foolish. The only two kinds of people in the world are the wise and the foolish. The wise people are the ones who are intellectual. They're thinking about how, how philosophically things work out, and that would be the Greeks. You know, if you remember history, that being a Hellenized part of the world meant that you were sophisticated and you were proper and you had all the right words and you used flowery language and you debated with people on and off and, and, and you, would, you would try to be smarter than the other person to show how, how great you really were. And then you've got the foolish or the simple or the barbarians. That's pretty much everybody else, right? The Jews would be considered that way. Those who don't know all the lingo, those who don't have flowery words, those who may not be the smartest or the sharpest in the drawer, but everybody, Paul says, I am obligated to the wise and to the foolish to this one thing, to preach the gospel. Now, I want you to really process that because he's saying, I owe you a debt. I am indebted to you. My life is not my own. My life belongs to this one singular purpose, and that is that I might proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to everybody I see, everybody I know, and everybody I come into contact with. 
And the question is, why would he be so convinced that this is his life's purpose? You know, that's another thing I, I, I wrestle with. You know, I've, I've got all these ideas in my head, and I want to do so many things. This is the reason I, I kinda, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, and I jump out of airplanes, and I ride, you know, things that go fast, and I, and I always want to experience things. But here's the problem. Every time I start doing these things, my mind constantly goes back to, you know what, that's good, but Jesus is better. You know, that's, that's, that's nice, and that'll help people, but it won't help people like Jesus. You know, when I think of starting a business or when I think of, of, of doing something that, that is not related to the gospel of Christ, I say, you know, that's good, but it's not the main thing because it just doesn't lead all the way to the very end of the story, which is you and I will once face God face to face, heart to heart, and one day we will have to give an account for every single thing in our life, and the only way that we will be righteous before God is if we become righteous, we become the righteousness of God here through the righteousness of Christ. That's the only hope that we have, and so it's this, it's this tension in Paul's life, it's this tension in my life, and I pray the tension in your life. Now, don't hear me saying that you shouldn't start businesses and do all these other things. No, what I'm saying is those should not be the, those should not be the end. They should be a means to an end. Let me just kind of take a little rabbit trail, can I? If, if you're a, jan, a handyman, your handyman, and we got a, lot, a bunch of them in here. Your handyman is a way to make a living, put, put food on your plate, but it's also a way for you to be in a relationship or a conversation with people to tell them about Jesus. If you're a nurse, that's a way to make a living. It's a way to heal the physical body, but it's also the hands and feet of Christ in a person's most desperate, needy time. If you're a teacher... It's a way to educate and help people to, to learn and grow. But that teaching, if you're a follower of Jesus, is for the purpose of you being the, the face of Jesus to somebody, some child, some, some teenager who is not finding hope anywhere else. And we could go through every profession in this room. You were not made to do a job. You were made to glorify God with your life. And the way that you do that is to be singularly focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you say, why? Why should I make the gospel my main thing? Why should I focus on, on, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus above all else? Well, that answer, the answer to that question is in the very next verse. Verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, the word ashamed doesn't necessarily just mean not willing to speak it, but it's in that word ashamed, I'm not ashamed, it means that there's great courage. There's not just courage, but there's courage mixed with action. I'm going to go because I cannot hide what it is inside of me. Something has happened that it is worth going wherever I am sent. It is worth winding up wherever I wind up so that the name of Jesus can be on my lips. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Notice he didn't say I'm not ashamed of the church. Notice he didn't say I'm not ashamed of preaching. Notice he didn't say I'm not ashamed of character. I'm not ashamed of kindness. Those are all good things. Those are important things. But what Paul focuses on is this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And the gospel 
is not just how you can be saved. The gospel is about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. It's bigger than just you going to heaven. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it most abundantly, your life doesn't start after you die. In fact, it starts the moment there is a regenerate birth or re, uh, re, there's regeneration inside of you. The moment that you are justified and then you are sanctified and ultimately you're glorified. But the moment you trust Jesus, you have been given life and it's a different life. It's a transforming life. There is a change inside of you. Am I preaching too hard here? No. Here's the thing. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You, you can't really be ashamed of the gospel if the gospel has taken root inside of you. It's almost, I mean, I don't see how it's possible to be ashamed of the gospel if the gospel has really taken root inside of you. Here's why. You can't be in Christ and not smell like Christ. It just comes out of you and through. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, I... I started the smoker, and I smoked a rib roast for Joshua's 19th birthday. He's 19 tomorrow. Um, so my insurance goes down. His goes way up. Sounds like a good deal to me. So I put this standing rib roast in my smoker, and I started it. But, but as I checked on, the, ro as I checked on the, the meat, every time I'd open it up and every time I'd just go out there, a little bit more of that smoke would come, in, come into my clothes and into my hair. And... My wife has this thing. She doesn't want to go to bed with a man smelling like smoke. That might have sounded really weird, but it's been a source of contention in our family. So in other words, anytime I work on the grill or with the smoker, I know that I've got to get a shower and I've got to get everything clean because it's impossible to smoke meat and not smell like smoke. It's impossible. It is impossible to have Jesus Christ inside of you, and, it, and you not smell like Christ. Amen. A tree will be known by its fruit. And I say that so that you and I can examine our own lives. How much like Jesus do you look like? If you don't look like Jesus at all, the gospel has not taken root inside of you. And according to the scripture, you're lost and in need of the gospel. Because the gospel transforms. It takes root and then it oozes out. Now this morning I think I fixed the problem. Because I'm actually smoking a ham for our lunch. And I, fixed, I, I figured out what I'd do. And, and this is actually what a lot of us do when it comes to church. Or when it comes to our faith. I went out and I put the ham on the bottom. And, I, and last night I actually put the wood chips in. And I put the water in. And I plugged it in. It's an electric smoker. And I, I, this morning I went out and I put the ham in, and then I went and I got ready to come to church. And then just before I leave, I pushed power and on, and then I left. So I engaged the smoker, but I wasn't really engaging with it. See, when you just come to church, and you hear the songs and see the songs, and you listen to the sermons, and then you leave... If you don't hang around the source of smoke, you will never smell like smoke. In other words, if you, don't in, if you don't let the gospel take root inside of you, and if it doesn't do something supernatural inside of you, you're just going through motions. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to beckon you towards the cross. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And you and I need salvation. 
Salvation from what? Well, just look at yourself. I mean, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be, you know, all rude and stuff, but how's your life going so far? And here's the beauty of the gospel. When we trust in Christ, Jesus begins to transform us, but we always want to run back to the way things were, and, and, it, and it usually takes a little while for most of us, because most of us are pretty prideful. Most usually takes it a little while before we go, you know what, I need the gospel every day. Not just when I was born again. I need it today like I needed it yesterday and I need it tomorrow. In fact, I need it every moment. What we like to do is we like to pray a prayer and trust Jesus and be baptized. And then, okay, thanks God, I'll take it from here. I'm going to do good and I'm going to be kind and I'm going I'm to work out my faith. No, no, no. You have no power inside of you to live the kind of life that Jesus requires. The only thing you can do to live that kind of a life is to surrender, which means that you come and die daily. That means you give up the rights that you have. Listen, we like to claim rights, but we have no rights if we're a follower of Jesus. We have no personal rights, that is, but we are heirs of a kingdom. Wouldn't you be willing to trade your personal liberties and rights for the glory of the kingdom of God? Isn't that a pretty good trade? I mean, wouldn't it be worth saying, you know what, Lord? I don't want to do anything that I want to do. I simply want to be your servant, and I want to, I want to do whatever you call me to do. And, and, and notice that after the end of your life or, or after going through your life, you look back and you go, you know what? I never would have drawn it out this way. I ne- if you would have asked me, on a hundred different times, I would have never said, I'm going to go from there to here. And yet, I'm satisfied. I'm happy. I'm content. Why? Because that's what the gospel does. The gospel fills in the pieces of your life and my life that we can't fill any other way. But don't we try? We try so hard. We try with substances. We try with relationships. We try with activities. We do all these things, and all that does is make us tired, confused, and hurt. And yet Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Who is the gospel for? The gospel is for everyone who believes. And that, that is an incredible statement. Because the power of God, the word power, is there's six different words in the scripture that are used to, we translate as power. This one is the word dunamis, which is a word that we also get the word dynamite. So imagine this, the gospel is the explosive power of God. The explosive power to do what? To transform us. We move from death to life in the moment that we trust in Christ. We move from hopelessness to hope the moment we trust in Christ. We move from unrighteousness and condemned to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In the moment of our conversion, in the moment of being saved... We have completely, totally 
changed our position and our standing with God. When I say we have, we haven't done it. God has changed it. It's like he moved the, the check mark from the no to the yes. So the gospel. Isn't it funny how we oftentimes think that the gospel's too simple? You know, preachers have, a tr- have trouble with this all the time. Man, I've got to come up with something new and fresh. Back in my younger days, you know, when I was just a young pup, I used to always try to be creative in sharing the gospel. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but at the end of the day, there is, the Bible doesn't say there is power in the creativity of the gospel. The Bible doesn't say there is power in the persuasive words of the gospel. In fact, Paul says it this way. He says, I didn't come to you with persuasive and flowery and flowering words. I've come to you with the simplicity of the gospel Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who will believe. Church, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. The gospel is the simple story of Jesus. Coming to live, to die, be buried, crucified and buried, and then rise again from the dead. We find that in in 1 Corinthians. That's the gospel. If you stick to that, you don't have to worry about nothing else. You know, there's this thing on Facebook, it's, about, uh, it's from a guy named Alistair Begg, great preacher if you ever, you ever get a chance, he's Scottish. But, but there's this thing going around now, maybe some of you have posted or seen it, and, and, and he says that uh, it's the thief on the cross, and the thief on one side was cursing at Jesus and saying, hey, if you were really who you say you are, get us off of this tree, and the other one says, uh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And just imagine what would happen next. Jesus dies, the the thieves die. The thief comes up into the gates and an angel meets him. And the angel says, uh, so so welcome, what is your name? I'm I'm the thief. Okay, so uh, so why are you here? Um, Where actually am I? Oh, well, you're in in heaven, you're you're in the kingdom. Okay, so so why should I let you in? Um, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're here. Why, why, what have you done? I don't know. So hang on. Let me get my supervisor. So the angel goes over and gets the supervisor. The supervisor comes over and says, Tell you what, let's just go through a couple basic questions. Uh, do you understand the doctrine of salvation and sanctification? Never heard of it. Uh, well, okay. Let me ask this. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Uh, hmm. Never heard of that. I said, hmm. You're here, so, so why? She says, well, I guess it's because the man on the middle cross said I could come. And that really is the essence of the gospel. You're not saved because of how good you are. You're not saved because of the good you're going to do. You're not saved because God needs you. You're not saved because... Of anything in you at all. You are saved because the man on the middle cross said you could come. It is by grace that you're saved through faith. Not of your works. So that none of us can boast. As we finish this passage, and I realize that we're we're getting short on time here. He says that he's not ashamed because of the gospel. Because it's the power for all who will believe. 
for the Jew and for the Greek, for the wise and for the foolish. And in that gospel, there is a righteousness that, of God that is revealed from faith to faith. And there it is. The, like I think Sarah said, the only thing you add to the gospel is your need for it. That's it. You are lost. I am lost. We're not just lost, we're condemned. You say, well, Jeff, that's really not a good church growth strategy. Actually, it is, because church growth can only happen when people come into faith in Jesus Christ. Because the church is the body of Christ. The only way to enter into the body of Christ is by knowing Jesus. The only way to know Jesus is to be transformed by the gospel. And so true church growth comes when you preach the blood, the burial, the death, resurrection of Jesus. So this morning, we celebrate Easter. And man, we, we celebrated. We were jumping. I, I was jumping and screaming. I, I didn't see you. I had my eyes closed. I was talking to Jesus, right? But man, I was excited. But here's the thing. We don't have to go to a pep rally to be excited. Every single day, we get to recognize I was lost. I was broken. I was hopeless. I was confused. I could not even look up. And yet, Jesus rescued me. Why? I don't know. He just loved me. Why? Because he does. How long will his love last? Into all of eternity. What can I do to make him stop loving me? Nothing. But what if I curse his name? Sorry, his love is bigger than that. But what if I sin greatly or deeply? Sorry, his blood covered that. But what if I embarrass him? He was humiliated on a cross. You cannot embarrass him. So what do you want from me? Let the gospel grow. That's what he wants from you. Let the gospel grow inside of you. And here's, here's something I might add from 1 Corinthians 1. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, people listening to this right now, it's not making a lot of sense. It's just gibberish. It's, it's foolishness, quite honestly. It's an, it's an ugly, bloody religion. I mean, think about it. It's insane. But to those who have the work of God, those who are being saved, it is life transformative. It plants itself inside of us, and it begins to grow. And as we yield to the power of the gospel... God does things in our life we not only never thought he could, but we didn't even want him to. He breaks down places of unforgiveness that we don't even want to approach. He breaks down places of pride that we don't even know exist. And all through it, the gentle, loving hand of God says, trust me because I am your father. Church, never Stop preaching the gospel. Never stop proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't ever back away. Don't ever be ashamed of it. Our world doesn't need acute fancy, creative, entertaining church. Our church, our world needs surrendered people to the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. That will change the world. Will you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? I want to invite you to two things today. Number one, if you are here and you've not ever trusted Jesus Christ, if if this message of the gospel is, 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 is beckoning you to come, your only part is surrender. And even then, how can you fight against it? If God is calling your name, why would you fight against it? I'm not asking you to understand everything. I'm simply asking you from faith to faith to believe the message of the gospel. Jesus came. He was crucified for our sin. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again just like he said he would. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's for those who haven't trusted Christ. For those who have trusted Christ and you're sidetracked by so many things, I want to invite you just to recenter on the truth of the gospel. Let it become your everything. In fact, pray a courageous prayer. God, would you remove the things that keep me from your, from your gospel? I have done that and I do that. And I promise you, it's painful. But it's worth every single bit. Father, I ask that today in this place you would, you would, you would ignite our hearts. God, that you would... Uh, I don't even know what to ask other than just, just do something that only you can do. God, we're tired of trying on our own. We're try, tired of trying to make things happen. Have your own way, Lord. In Jesus' name. Will you stand? As we sing this song together, just use it as a time of commitment.